2: Erlon, I will never forget it.
1: Ear Hustle, stories about life on the inside, told by those who live it.
2: Find Ear Hustle wherever you get your podcasts.
3: From WABE in Atlanta, welcome to this Thursday edition of Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. Of course, we're going to begin with this. State and local officials are condemning the violence and chaos U.S. Capitol yesterday.
0: I want to let my fellow Georgians know that today I will be extending the previous executive order that has activated the Georgia National Guard. That will continue to be in place this coming Monday and they will be called up as needed. I feel confident that they will not.
3: Now, Georgia Governor Brian Kemp talking about preparations that Georgia actually might have to take. But as he said, hopefully it will not be needed. Atlanta Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms released a statement via Twitter saying, quote, While there are moments in our country's history which we may falter and we will not fail, America is stronger than any one man, close quote. And also, Congresswoman Lucy McBath, Georgia Congresswoman Lucy McBath, called on Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove President Donald Trump from office. McBath tweeted, quote, the actions of those seeking to overturn the will of the people are dangerous and destructive but they will not succeed close quote and although coming off this week's runoff defeat US senator Georgia senator Kelly Leffler reversed her position last night on objecting to the certification of president elect Joe Biden's victory
2: when i arrived in washington this morning i fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes however the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider And I cannot now in good conscience object to the certification of these electors. The violence, the lawlessness, and siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institution my my objection was intended to protect, the sanctity of the American democratic process.
3: This hour, a conversation about this moment and how it affects the concept of democracy, and also... What is President Donald Trump's role that led to the violence, and how should all of this reflect on the Republican Party? That's on today's special Closer Look, which is coming up in just a moment, so stay with us. But first, as usual, our daily update on the coronavirus here in Georgia. According to the White House Coronavirus Task report, task Force report obtained by WABE, it calls on leaders to put, quote, further restrictions in place to slow the spread of COVID-19. Now, the report finds Georgia had the nation's ninth highest rate of new COVID-19 cases in the week leading up to January 3rd. And federal officials call for, quote, aggressive mitigation efforts and a substantial acceleration of vaccinations. And the report says Georgia's post-holiday COVID-19 figures raise significant concerns and suggest a resurgence of community spread. And at the time of this broadcast, here are your numbers. 602,796 COVID-19 cases in total have been confirmed here in Georgia. 43,629 have been hospitalized. And of those, 7,605 were considered ICU admissions. And since the state began recording these numbers way back in March of last year, 10,035 Georgians have died due to the virus, This, of course, is always according to the Georgia Department of Public Health. Now, as we begin today's program regarding yesterday's violence at the U.S. Capitol, we'll begin with this. AJC Washington correspondent Tia Mitchell was in the U.S. House chamber yesterday, but I'm going to let her pick up the story as she joins me now. Tia Mitchell, welcome. Tia Mitchell, can you hear me? All right, we're going to take a quick little break actually let's do this is my colleague Dennis O'Hara with me hi Rose Dennis how are you
0: I'm well how are you
3: you know Dennis you and I we've been paling around a long <laughs> a long time have we not
0: well and you've taken closer look to greater and greater heights since we started so congratulations
3: well Dennis there's a lot to dissect here you know Dennis how long have you been covering George, not just Georgia politics but in general
0: Oh, boy. I mean, if you count the political stuff that I covered in college, it's uh, it's kind of scary. It's approaching 50 years. Mm. Um,
3: yeah. <laughs> Dennis, your thoughts on what took place in our nation's capital yesterday?
0: Uh, I think everyone else who has expressed astonishment has already said it better than I possibly could. You know, mm-hmm. it, it becomes almost a cliché to say, I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. And I haven't, I mean, I've been around violent protests Mm -hmm. and uh, been around other demonstrations that were big and sometimes scary, but didn't turn into anything like this. Um, I was looking up, you know, incidents at the Capitol. There was an attack in 1954 by some Puerto Rican nationalists. Mm -hmm fired shots in the House chamber and wounded uh, four or five, um, five representatives, Um, and then there was the shooting in 2013 of a motorist who rammed into a security barrier Mm -hmm. and was shot and killed after a police chase. But, I mean, you have to go back to that 54 shooting to really think of anything like this at the Capitol, and there's been nothing in my experience, and Even that one, as dangerous as it was, Mm -hmm. was not in some way winked at Mm -hmm. at best or encouraged at worst by people in power, including the most powerful man in the world, at least for the next 13 days.
3: And Dennis, given what is, we're coming off this week, as I mentioned, in uh, Senator Kelly Leffler, we're going to play a cut from her in just a moment. But coming off the, these historic Senate runoff uh, results here, combined with President Donald Trump still basically lying to people and saying that the election was stolen and that he won. And then all of this coming together at the nation's capital, we're two weeks away from the inauguration of President-elect Joe Biden. Politically now, too, have you ever experienced this much chaos and divisiveness in our politics? I mean, we we know that lawmakers have been, have had, you know, a difference of opinions about a lot of things. But at the height that it is right now, throughout the nation, have you ever experienced anything like this and covering this?
0: Well, no, since I wasn't around in the 1860s, Well, we're happy about that. Uh, But, uh, you know, there have been turbulent times, of course, in our politics. Uh, You know, um, in the 1960s, there was a great deal of uh, division and person-on-person violence when people of different points of view on the war particularly but not just that also mm-hmm. on racial justice and uh, on even later on on the environment um you know when they would get in the same place and clash but um you have to go back kind of to that to look at a time when we were worried about just the fabric of our uh, institutions mm-hmm. coming apart because people not only don't want to talk to each other or just want to yell at each other but really want to go after each other when Rudy Giuliani says he wants trial by combat (laughs) that's you know that's a step beyond Mm -hmm. anything we've heard uh, from people who are supposed to be responsible
3: you know some members of Georgia's congressional delegation have either spoken out or released a statement and some have remained silent I want to play again a Again, the cut from outgoing Senator Kelly Leffler who spoke on the Senate floor yesterday.
2: When I arrived in Washington this morning, I fully intended to object to the certification of the electoral votes. However, the events that have transpired today have forced me to reconsider, and I cannot now in good conscience object to the certification of these electors. The violence, the lawlessness, and siege of the halls of Congress are abhorrent and stand as a direct attack on the very institution. My objected, my objection was intended to protect the sanctity of the American democratic process.
3: Dennis, what do you make of Leffler reversing her decision?
0: Well, it was part of a larger group who mm-hmm. did that, sure. and um, you know, I certainly can't. Look into what Senator Leffler uh, was thinking or pass any judgment on what she was thinking. Politically, she had just been defeated by Raphael Warnock. And, um, you know, one of the reasons, possibly, I and mean, there are a lot of reasons why any election is won or lost, but um, one of the difficulties she had in trying to explain her relationship with president trump was her saying i've never disagreed with the president on anything mm-hmm. and you know even very conservative republicans have disagreed with the president on things like i mean just to pick a really obvious example charlottesville where he's, you know there are fine people on both sides or you know there you can go through a long list so the fact that she was unable to even say look you know i support the president down the line on this, this, and this, but, uh, you know, this was something where I'd part company with him. I mean, uh, it, it was such a, um, I don't know, a, a unrealistically consistent adherence to the president, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, that, um, you know, I think. You know, I don't you know, I can't get into the minds of voters either. But it's certainly one of those things that doesn't look terribly good politically when Mm -hmm. that's all you can say and you can't really, you know, explain why.
3: Dennis, as we wrap up Georgia's delegation, uh, congressional delegation and and soon it, it always reflects voters look to see how their elected officials out of their districts, you know, what how they will either agree or disagree with the current administration. Um, what through your lens with yesterday's event could this possibly change and again I know you can't get into their heads could possibly change particularly for the Republicans how mm-hmm. some of them might have thought they were going to politically behave um, when Congress gets underway because if, if, it, if it skews anything that might even remotely represent something that President he'll then be passed. President Trump, Mm -hmm. uh, on some of his rhetoric, that could be a disaster for them come the next election cycle. Do you expect that, particularly for the Republican Party, for the the Republican delegation, that they're going to maybe be a little careful uh, about their political behavior as it relates to whether or not they will work with the Biden administration?
0: Well, I think the calculation is going to be different for members of the House and members of the Senate. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. look at Marjorie Taylor Greene, who represents a district in northwest Georgia where there are a lot of people who are not only strong supporters of President Trump, but question institutions that are supporters of QAnon, for instance, she only has to appeal for reelection to that district. So it'll be very different for her than it would be for, let's say, a Republican senator from a swing state who Mm -hmm. might be very conservative and support a lot of the president's policies and look at the next four years the next six years if you're an incoming senator and I think their calculations are going to be different because their voting bases or their voting composition in their in their states are far more diverse than a single congressional district mm-hmm. and I think that may give it's just a thought but I think after what happened to the Capitol, it may give, Democrats and Republicans in the middle, a lot more leverage than they might have had had this not happened.
3: WAB political contributor and host of the podcast, Political Breakfast, Dennis O'Hare, as always, offering insight regarding politics. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Dennis.
0: You're welcome, Rose.
3: And now I believe we do have Washington correspondent for the AJC, Tia Mitchell. She is with us. Miss Mitchell, can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Gotcha. Gotcha. Let's Wonderful. Go. Yeah. First of all, glad you're safe. Okay. That's number one. Um, Thank you. But for our listeners, can you, if you can, describe what you were doing, you were in the House chamber, before rioters breached the Capitol. What, what was happening?
4: Yeah. So we were in the House chamber covering the deliberations on Arizona's electoral college votes. You know, Congress was in joint session to tally the electoral college votes. And Arizona was the first state where an objection had been lodged. And because there was at least one member of each the House and the Senate willing to object, that triggered a two hour debate period. And Mm -hmm. so that's what was happening. I was paying close attention because we expected the same thing to happen for Georgia. Again, Mm -hmm. things changed after the riots, but that, you know, at the time, Georgia was gonna be the second state to go through this process. So being you know from the AJC covering Georgia, I was taking note to see how things unfolded for Arizona. Um, and the first thing we heard was that some of the buildings in the Capitol complex were being evacuated because mm-hmm. of security concerns. And then maybe a few minutes later, we heard that they were gonna lock us in the chamber because uh, rioters were trying to enter the capitol building. The capitol building has been closed to visitors because of the pandemic. And of course there was a perimeter. Last, The last thing I had seen outside was the protesters were at behind barricades like a hundred yards away from the building. Mm. And so to hear that they were trying to enter the building but at the time there was still not a panic. The session was still continuing with debate. Um, things escalated when They escorted the leaders out of the room, like Vice President Pence, Democratic leader Steny Hoyer. I think Nancy Pelosi also and they halted the proceedings. And that's when Capitol police said that there were protesters in the Rotunda mm-hmm. and that they were using tear gas and they passed out gas masks to everyone. And the Rotunda is not far view for those who are familiar perhaps with maybe the Georgia Capitol, you know, or who visited the US Capitol, you know that the Rotunda leads directly to each chamber mm-hmm. with just a door dividing um, just with the door for passage. So. Um, We didn't know, though, at the time that the rioters had entered the Senate chamber. And so they were attempting to do the same thing in the House chamber, but there were members in the House chamber at the Mm. time. And so some of the members were um, evacuated, but not all of us. And so we actually watched the Capitol Police barricade the door as rioters were busting out the windows trying to get in. We saw that in real time.
3: What was going through your mind, Tia?
4: You know, I know people keep asking me this and I was, um, you know, I was in reporter mode. I Mm -hmm. was trying to stay alert to watch what happened and chronicle what happened. I knew it was an important moment to chronicle as a journalist. You know, I did call my mom when we were, when we had to take cover in the chamber, it was about 50 people left, members of Congress, the media and police who once the, the attempt to breach the house chambers was happening. We could hear the beating on doors. And again, we saw the police trying to barricade that door as people tried to get in. I just called my mom just to let her know I was okay because I figured eventually her phone would start, you know, going crazy and she would start seeing the media reports. But other than that, I was just really trying to stay alert and watch what happened. Um, But we also were told they take cover ourselves and for several minutes, we were just there, hunkered down. Hmm.
3: As <sighs> I understand about that, re- that reporter mode. I've been there, but you still, you know, for me. You yeah, know, we're you, still yeah, people. We're still people, you know? folks. And I think sometimes people, don't, they forget that, you know?
4: Yeah, we're still people. And quite frankly, if the house chamber had been breached with members inside, um, I don't know what would have happened. You know, because there were members, there were people who had been riled up and who believed erroneously that there was some type of injustice being done and that members of Congress were complicit in the injustice instead of viewing them as upholding the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, you know, Capitol Police was so adamant and used force, particularly when they thought that members of Congress could have been accosted. That's the only time, for better or for worse, that's the only time members of the Capitol Police use force is when they thought the chamber was going to be preached, breached to where members were present.
3: What is the mood right now at the Capitol? Are they allowing you all to come back in? Uh, There's still some day-to-day business, I believe, that might be taking place. Are reporters still allowed to come in what's happening right so now we we were allowed back in last night sure
4: congress went back in session wednesday night mm-hmm. and we went back in and covered it by that time georgia was no longer being contested because as you noted already in your program senator leffler no longer provided that needed senate vote to to contest georgia's vote mm-hmm. so they went back into session and um they finished early this morning um around 3 a.m and um The Capitol is open to media, but Congress has gone home. They aren't expected to return. Uh, Right now, they are not planning to return until time for inauguration on January 20th. Um, But other media colleagues did go back to the Capitol today and they're posting pictures of bullet holes in glass and debris and uh, graffiti um, in the U.S. Capitol.
3: Hmm. Tia Mitchell is the Washington, D.C. correspondent for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Again, Tia, we're glad you're safe, and I appreciate you taking the time to share what happened yesterday. Stay safe, Tia. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Support
0: for WABE comes from... The Community Foundation for Greater Atlanta. If you love Atlanta, you can invest in the big picture. Learn more at CF.
3: And Closer Look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. Atlanta's choice for NPR. I'm Rose Scott. So here we are, six days, talking about yesterday now. Here we are, six days until the new year. But this
1: time, we brought this hell upon ourselves. This land is your land.
5: This land is my land. From
3: California to the New York
5: Island Now it is up to Congress to confront this egregious assault on our democracy. And after this, we're going to walk down and I'll be there with you. We're going to walk down. We're going to walk down anyone you want, but I think right here we're going to walk down to the Capitol.
6: That ribbon of
4: highway
5: very clear the scenes of chaos at the capitol do not reflect a true america do not represent who we are what we're seeing are a small number of extremists dedicated to lawlessness this is not dissent it's disorder it's chaos borders on sedition and it must end now i call on this mob to pull back and allow the work of democracy to go forward you've heard me say before in different contexts the words of a president matter, no matter how good or bad that president is, at the best. This land was made for you
1: and me.
3: A lot to dissect here. This is Closer Look. I'm Rose Scott. I want to welcome to the program from Morehouse College, Professor Ilya Davis, Director of the New Students and Transition Programs and Professor of Philosophy. Professor Davis, glad to have you back on the program. Professor Davis, are you with me?
1: Good afternoon. Thank you very much for the invitation.
3: Yeah, glad to have you back on the program. You know, the last time we spoke and I asked a question to listeners was, you know, about their faith in our nation's democracy. And with the violence at the Capitol, for many, this may seal that long. And it may take a long time to break if folks have lost confidence in the concept of democracy. Professor Davis, first of all, your thoughts on what took place? Quite
1: disturbing. Quite disturbing. Um, Certain things that are blatantly obvious, everyone keeps reiterating the fact that it seems to be at least, and I'm sure there are more, but at least two senses of justice and fairness and multiple notions of democracy operating, because we are almost rest assured that had they been black, the reactions would have been fundamentally different.
3: Let me stop you there and ask, and let me ask you this now, and and I want to stop you there because I've heard that, and then I've heard people say, that's not fair to make that comparison. And I know you, you have an answer for me.
1: <laughs> well, it, it may not be fair, but if we're going to speculate and provide counterfactuals, I think that it's, it's appropriate, primarily because of what we saw demonstrated this summer and before this. this summer, it can't be reduced to this summer. There's a history and a legacy of a disproportionate, overwhelming impact of legal forces and law on black people. And that follows us. And when I observed what I saw yesterday, I, for the first few minutes, I anticipated swift and immediate, you know, uh, reaction from the police forces. And it didn't happen. And then I had to pull myself back and say, you know what? This is consistent with what Black people have said for years. And it's problematic, it should not be the case. And the issue is not whether or not we wanted an enforcement of violence toward the individuals, we want fair treatment. So to the degree to which these individuals were allowed to engage in the way that they did, uh, treat black people similarly. I mean, that's the problem. It's not about mistreating everyone, it's about fair treatment for everyone. And we found that it was inconsistent, it was asymmetrical and extremely problematic, but again, um, one thing I wanted to say: I am deeply sorrowful, and I extend my condolences to four people who died. Mm-hmm. One of which was shot, one of whom was shot, and the other three, um, I think they had preconditions that led to it, but the, con- the fundamental conditions of the environment caused it. That should have never happened. Should never have happened. But again, the inconsistencies with the way that law enforcement engages black people is fundamentally different. It is not as amorous. It is not as congenial. And that is the fundamental problem. That is not fair. That is not a notion of justice we wish to function uh, under. And it is problematic when associated with notions of democracy.
3: Let's back up to how this all began. President Donald Trump giving a speech. It's a play there in that montage coming into our segment telling the those in attendance, you know, in a sense this is what we need to do. Let's march down to the capitol. I'll be with you. What did you make of that? and do you agree that that was a direct reason and it incited what happened yesterday?
1: Well, I've said consistently and I believe I said it the last time you and I were together he's being blamed for a sentiment that is ubiquitous here in the US. And so what he does is he emboldens a fundamental notion of white privilege and white supremacy that comes through his his vocal, but is represented in the hearts and sentiments of those individuals who marched yesterday. So what they find with him is grist for the mill, if you will, Mm -hmm. they find motivation in his words. And so the irresponsibility of his speech is problematic but we can't we cannot overestimate what it means that the united states of america has not fundamentally dealt with this legacy and history of marginalizing people and it comes home to roost and that's fundamentally the problem here he knows his audience I mean, think about it. There was a famous German philosopher, theologian, Friedrich Schleiermacher, who would talk about the preaching moment as this notion of a metaphor of a pendulum, that the only reason you get an amen from the audience is because you're saying something that is resonant with their own belief system, right? If it's not consistent with what they believe, then you don't get an amen. Mm-hmm. So what happened when he was speaking, the individuals found what he was saying to be consistent. And resonant, it resonated with them and consonant with their beliefs. That's the only way you get them to say and do and behave the way they did. They already believed it. The motivation was there by him and by his words. So he he pushed forward, he emboldened, he strengthened what had already been their resolve.
3: Folks like me and a lot of the folks have been calling this an attack on democracy. Do you subscribe to that notion, that phrase?
1: yes it is an attack on notions of democracy because what you lose here is the ability to represent your disagreements in less disagreeable forms right the idea of a democracy is not to respond in these very vile and violent ways it's supposed to be represented right even though we live in this sort of you know republican slash democratic constitutional state i mean it's supposed to be represented through other forms of disagreement And what happened yesterday was absolutely undermining the notion that we're supposed to have an exchange of power and conversations and dialogue in nonviolent form. Now, we know historically the United States of America has had a problem with how they understand these things. I mean, if you just (laughs) look yesterday at the responses to violence on the part of the state, uh, there's a very fundamental problem there. And so I would say that. Democracy does not celebrate that type of behavior because it's trying to assuage the needs of individuals in nonviolent ways. And Black people, again, we've been tutored and trained in the notions of nonviolence for decades, if not centuries. And we fundamentally never reacted in ways that are similar to that. And so I think it is anti democratic that an institution was overrun by a group of marauders who cared less about democracy and more about personal interest.
3: So Professor, let me ask you this, and you you talk to students, and so next time you're in your virtual classroom and your students say to you, and they pose that question, we're always asked as black people to, this is our, our way, the nonviolent way. But then they look at what happened yesterday and they pose this question to you, well Professor, where do we go with this then? What do you say? To well, you?
1: again, it becomes difficult because the first thing is always to allow those individuals to express their deep heartfelt reflections on what transpired because they are angry. And the anger is less about the destruction of a physical um, building and more about the destruction and the inconsistency of what they've been taught. Mm-hmm. right. You're destroying the ideas and the ideals that they have been that have been forged through educational structures. So there's a failing in our institutions not to have a level of honesty that is needed to talk about how the marginalization of gay and trans brothers and sisters and and blacks and and, and indigenous people and other people who have been marginalized in this country, uh, how it is that there seems to be at least two regulatory processes, right? Oversight. And then afterwards you have to say, well, what can we do? What's possible with respect to what we can offer this this fledgling democracy? Because we do live in a very immature democracy. We live in a Peter Pan land, right? Democracy won't grow up. It's time for us to make more progressive dynamic moves towards a more progressive structure. And so the democracy has to have the ideas forged by these marginalized individuals. Listen to these voices. Our representative system seems to be problematic because they, they appear to be more aristocratic than representative. And we're gonna to have to address that as well. And that's gonna come home to roost as well. Because if you look at even the salaries and the wealth of individuals who are so-called representatives of the people, that's inconsistent with the people. I mean, we've always talked about that. So I would have to try to encourage the students, this is a contradiction to every ideal that is represented in democracy. But what can we do? Mm -hmm. right we're going to have to make these changes and primarily on the local level and move towards federal levels
3: Mm. morehouse college professor Ilya davis director of the new students and transition programs and professor philosophy professor davis thank you so much for taking time if you want to hang out you can when we come back we're going to talk to two republicans who live here in the atlanta area and get their thoughts hang with us this is closer look
4: Mm
5: -hmm.
3: Closer look continues now here on 90.1 WABE. This is Atlanta's Choice for NPR. As always, I'm Ro Scott. Some Republicans have denounced the action of President Donald Trump that they believe led to yesterday's violence at the U.S. Capitol. We heard earlier that Senator Kelly Leffler, along with some others, had reversed their decision to contest the certification process for President elect Joe Biden. And there are a lot of questions regarding President Donald Trump's role. And that's also how this reflect, reflects on the Republican Party. Gonna welcome in Republicans Julianne Thompson and Corey Ruth as they join to share their thoughts. These are their opinions. They're not speaking on behalf of the Republican Party unless they want to, but I welcome them to the program. Julianne, Corey, good to have you. I rose. Julianne, I'll start with you. Just your thoughts on what took place yesterday as a citizen of this nation.
6: I am overwhelmed with emotion brokenhearted. That's all. That's the only way that I can describe it.
3: Corey. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, go finish Julianne. I'm sorry.
6: I was gonna say, um, you know, I've heard people on my side of the aisle say, well, there were other violent protests earlier, and no one said anything. And then I just want to say, you know, people could, no matter what side of the political aisle you're on, people could go on forever saying well it was done to me first we could do that forever or we could be the bigger people and we could say enough is enough we are the united states of america we might be different parties but we are the united states of america and more should be uniting us than dividing us and i i'm just brokenhearted over what happened yesterday And my heart goes out to, to, to everyone that was impacted, um, to all of, all of the representatives and senators whose lives were at risk to every one of the Capitol police that came out to do their job. Um, Hmm. you know, I, I hear a lot of people so upset about the fact that that there were people that were injured and my heart goes out to the families of the people that were injured and the people that were, that died. But sure. The police told them to stand down. They did breach the Capitol. They did storm the Capitol and the Capitol police were doing their job. And it's just heartbreaking all the way around.
3: And I'm going to get to Corey in a moment. I think, Corey, you're going to have to unmute yourself, brother, so we can get you in here, uh, and while they worked it out. Julian, what is your response to those who say, look, for the GOP, you all are saying this now, but as a political body, you all have stood by President Trump for these past four years, which all of this was clearly growing over the course of his entire term. And... And and as a a body, as a a Republican body, y'all didn't say anything. What is your response to that? Well, my
6: response would be four years ago, we were in a different place. Four years ago, President Trump was elected because this was a bottom-up campaign. It was a bottom-up movement that allowed Donald Trump to become president of the United States because the grassroots of America wanted something different than a traditional elected politician. They wanted something different. Things have changed over the past four years. Things have become more top-down. Things have become more authoritarian. And um, it's just, it's a different situation right now. I, I mean, the, the the whole situation, I mean, Rose, if I had the right words to say, if I were a minister, I guess I'd have the right words to say right now. But all I can say is with regard to peace, with regard to loving my fellow American, I, I you know, we could go on all day pointing fingers, but I'll just say, you know, let it begin with me. So that's where I am. Let, let the peace
3: begin with me. Let's see if we can get Corey Ruth in here. Corey, you with me? Yeah, I think we're still having some audio problems with Corey and, and and folks we apologize for that. Based on what you just said, Julianne, and I just had a listener send me, send me something just popped up. Here's the question. It said to your guest Rose, who's speaking now, why should other Americans believe that now they have the best interests of all Americans in mind, and again, this you know that this is not just blaming you, but because you're here and you are a Republican. But what what would you say to that listener? What's your response? So, you Could you tell me the exact verbiage of the question again? To your guest, why should Americans believe that you all now have the best interests of all Americans in mind? And I guess they're referring to because of what you just said, and, and you're saying. <laughs> If we're,
6: if we're talking about strictly partisan politics here, I think that that both sides will tell you that they're doing their best to have the interests of all Americans. Um, I can't speak for other people. Sure. I can't. I can only speak for myself at this particular point of time. And, um, I, you know, there just aren't any words other than to say, you know, we, we need to be humbled before the Lord and we need to say,
3: let that peace begin with me. Let me ask you this, Julianne, do you believe in your opinion that the words of Donald Trump during that rally yesterday, he said, you know, let's, let's, let's march down to the Capitol. Do you believe those words are the reason why the rally, which let's be clear, was peaceful, you know, but the rally led to violence at the Capitol. Was Donald Trump the orchestrator of that? His words, and in rallying up the crowd, and then what happened after that?
6: Are you asking? If he caused people to storm the Capitol.
3: I'm sorry, Julian. Could you repeat that?
6: Is it, are you asking me if he caught, If he personally caused people to storm the Capitol? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe that a lot of the rhetoric that was spoken by him and was spoken by other people that were there. I I know the people that put that rally together, um, and they are in no way supportive of anything like what went on. And I know a lot of people that were at the rally. I know a lot of ministers that were at the rally that would have never partaken in anything that like what went on, ever. So the intention... But I also know that it still happened. I'm Mm -hmm. not in denial Mm -hmm. that it happened. I think that the rhetoric that I heard coming from that stage from multiple speakers Mm -hmm. was disgusting. And it obviously led to something terrible.
3: I wanna see now if we can connect with Corey Ruth. Corey, you with me? I
5: think so, can you hear me?
3: Yeah, we got you, Corey. Um, Your thoughts, Corey, first of all, on what happened yesterday.
5: Well, what really makes me sad as someone who's lived abroad in Europe and work abroad and travel often for business is the knowledge that so many hopes and dreams are tied into the United States. That there's people around the world literally living vicariously through us. And to see this and to know the esteem that the U.S. is held in around the world um, was disheartening. Um, I think the encouraging, um, if if you could take any encouragement out of this, uh, is just the knowledge that democracy is not elegant. Uh, It's the best system on earth, but it's not elegant. And in the United States, it's the experiment of 325 million free people all acting autonomously and periodically this form of government that relies so heavily on self-government, uh, mobs take to the street to express their passion. And we saw this in August of, uh, 1841 during a financial crisis, a mob of people stormed the white house. They, they shot guns in the air. They burned, uh, the president in efficacy, and so um, as utterly distasteful and disgraceful as this is, as despicable as it is, as embarrassed as I am as a world traveler, our system is built for this, and America is resilient.
3: What do you mean our system is built for this? Our system is built for people to lose their life?
5: No. No, no, no. Our system is built to recover from this. In other words, like the Congress did yesterday, where they once... Uh, some form of peace was gained in the area. Congress went on and executed their constitutional authority, and we had a peaceful transition of power.
3: Corey, and I want I want you to give you an opportunity, because Julianne was holding it down while you we were trying to get you connected, because I know there's a listener who just pulled over off a peach tree and said, hold up, brother. You're saying that our system is built for... This type of
5: political unrest.
3: Po- oh, so it's political unrest for these people?
5: You, no, it's political unrest. Period. Whether you're talking about Black Lives Matter or this, I think that's what you're alluding to. But political to. unrest it's,
3: means what to you? Does it mean just rally, uh, rally, or protesting, or does it mean destructing federal buildings and property and kicking in doors and beating law enforcement people? That, Our system is built I for think that. When,
5: I think when it is politically motivated, that is political unrest. And that is something that is a staple of democracy. Now, I don't want to I don't want I, I to sound like I'm minimizing what happened. yesterday. Well, you do, though, Corey,
3: I'm just I'm just keeping it real and, for you, man. You've so, been on this show a lot now. I want to give you no, an opportunity. So, so,
5: so, yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, if you want me to use a stronger word, it was an insurrection. What happened yesterday? Um and people, a mob of people, tried to overthrow uh, a constitutional process, and they broke into the Capitol building. They overtook security, and they tried to 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 disrupt our democracy. When I say the nation, our our system is built for this. What I mean is that's not going to stop our democracy. That's not going to stop our constitutional flow that ultimately we're still going to have a peaceful transition of power. Ultimately Joe Biden is still going to be our president and our society is going to recover from this. And what I want to do is is, as embarrassed as I am. um, And I just had a meeting with uh, uh, 40 uh, business leaders from, from Europe and, and other places in the world. Um and as embarrassed as I was on that call, uh America is resilient and um we're still going to recover from this and we're gonna be better uh after this.
3: What role and this is for both of you all, mm-hmm. what role or accountability does the Republican Party have? And I kinda asked Julius already, Julianne, this in leading up to this, because as a political body, you know, and this is a question from a listener, says you all have stood by President Trump, these past four years, through the rhetoric, through the line, and he did nothing. So well, I does- think a
5: lot of us was were extremely, you know, sort of uh, really tired about the rhetoric. And um, I know certainly I was. And, and a lot of my colleagues, uh, you know, we talk about suburban Republicans. I think we mentioned this on the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at the edge with that sort of rhetoric. And I do think, um, the party, many in the party, cause you can, I you mean, know, Mitt Romney's in the same party, right? So many people in this party allowed that rhetoric and, and that sentiment to burn too hot and, um, are absolutely accountable for, uh, what happened yesterday. And, and I'm looking, uh, for those leaders to, um, step up now that that has happened and see, what they're going to do to sort of right those wrongs.
3: I got about four minutes left, and I I want to give you each an opportunity then to answer this. Okay, so then if you had to advise the Republican Party on how do we, with these last two weeks left under Donald Trump's presidency, what must you all do? Because you got a lot of folks across the nation that are kind of mad at y'all, let's be really clear. Corey, I'll start with you. What do y'all need to do to make sure that in these next two weeks that something like this doesn't happen again? Or you need to, if I don't know how you can, you know, what do you tell the president? What message do you send to him?
5: Well, I I heard that he uh, announced that he would be committed to a peaceful transition. I think number one is our party needs to ensure that there's a smooth transition of power. And that they are working with Joe Biden's team as he comes into office uh, so that that to make sure that that happens. Number two, they need to tamp down this. The election was stolen um, um, uh, rhetoric at at the end of the day. uh, You know, if that's what you believe, that's going to be resolved legislatively, electorally and um, and judicially. It's not going to be resolved by storming buildings. And I'll just make one other point. Mm -hmm. Perdue, uh, Senator David Purdue garnered 11% of the black vote in November. And a few days ago, he garnered 8% of the black vote. And that 3% drop represented 85,000 votes. And I think that underscores a lot of what the Republican Party has to do in terms of being intentional about building Um, relationships with people that are outside the party um, uh, tent. And because building those relationships with folks outside of the party will moderate rhetoric on any given issue.
3: Uh, We shall see about that. But it looks like right now the GOP has some other things they got to get together. Julianne, you got about a a minute there. What must your party do?
6: Well, first of all, when it comes to Republican activists and Democrat activists, I would say to channel your emotions and channel your angers and your frustration into working through the legislative process to make sure that, that laws are in place um, that, that reflect your values and your concerns and um, never, never become violent or take things like this into your own hands. I would also say um, the heroism that I saw yesterday at the Capitol by our legislative bodies with everything that happened, with with all of the carnage, to see just a, a short time later for to see them both convening again on the House and Senate floor, and and the Democratic process continuing, I think was the the shining light that the light that we saw through the darkness of yesterday. And Corey's right, our Democratic system held. This republic is still standing. And it's going to continue to stand.
3: Julianne Thompson, Corey Ruth, thank you both, as always, for taking the time on on such short notice. I appreciate it, considering why we had to do this. Thank you both. Thank you. Stay safe now. And that's it for this edition of Closer Look, which is produced by Grace Walker and LaShawn Hudson. Our engineer is Shelly Now, if you missed any of today's program, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast and you'll never miss another show. Also, all our shows are online at WABE.org slash And of course, listen to our daily rebroadcast weeknights at 8. Stay tuned to 90.1 WABE, Atlanta's choice for NPR. This conversation will probably continue tomorrow. I'm Rose Scott. back.